Hello everyone, and welcome to season two of the award-winning podcast, The Politics of Disability. My name is Mary Fasek. I am your host and founder of the Disability Justice Movement, Upgrade Accessibility. We're still navigating our bumpy road, but there are lots of potholes along the way. You'll want to make sure you buckle up really tight. All set? Here we go. Welcome back. Let's see where we left off. Oh, it was getting good. Are we all buckle in? Great. Let's not waste any more time and get right to it trying to pamper myself even if it's just laying in bed all day and watch like catching up on television or watching my favorite movies all of those things are are good for self-care and I think self-care is really important it's one thing that a lot of people don't really take time to do and I didn't really lean into that so much until the pandemic happened because you know I had no choice but to sit in my thoughts and and stay at home and and do a lot of the the self-medicating and self-meditation <laughs> and self-relax, you know, yeah, all those okay. things that I was- you can, you can totally say self-medicating. So many of us in the disabled and concrete community use cannabis, CBD, myself included. This is a big conversation that we have. So self-medicating is something we always talk about. And take notes, my fellow disabled and concrete ill advocates, myself included, we need to do more self-care. It's really important. And it's like, it's it, it helps me stay somewhat sane, even though I am definitely not. <laughs> it helps keep me, um, it just helps bring me back a little bit to my own inner reality as opposed to, you know, the constant just taking on of all of the energies that I deal with throughout my daily going arounds. I I understand. I really do. Um, now, I, we had into Pride season. Pride events are frequently inaccessible. That is why last year I created a 100% virtual Pride event called Prior Way. Thank you for the cameo that you gave for Prior Way. Everyone loved it. Again, you have so many fans in the community. But Prior events and dry shows, they early on in the pandemic, and I say early on because the pandemic is not over. So many of us are still home after three years. So many of us can get very, very ill from COVID. The pandemic is not over. Mm -hmm. um, early on in the pandemic, private drivers were accessible. Do you think virtual drivers will make a comeback? You can get play in Nashville. They get a virtual stream of their drivers to help um, the dry defense fund, which was wonderful, by the way. I loved it. Um, and I'm like, why can't more places 
do this because I may never be able to go to a drag show. I may never be able to see you perform in person, but doing something like setting up a live stream in 2023 is not that difficult. Right. And I think I think the pandemic taught us that and taught us how important it is to do live stream events because there's a whole, as you said, there's a whole market of people who either can't travel, don't want to leave their home, cannot leave their home, um, who still want to be supportive of it and also want to be entertained by it and should have the access to it. And I feel like, um, especially now that things are kind of getting back to normal with, with live performances, they, it should be something that is included in the planning process of it, live, especially like bigger events in the country. Like if you have the bit like the big pride events, pick a couple of different cities, live stream them, you know, globally, internationally, nationwide, even just the community do it, you know, and whatever that city is, because um, it's important and it's important for for people who don't want to leave, who can't leave to feel like they're recognized as well and feel like they're included in on the party. Um, and I feel like there should be an easy way to do that. They do that all the time now with live streaming events on pay-per-view and and whatever. It should be, you know, a part of the pride committees should be having those discussions and being like, what can we do this year to make this accessible to people who were not able to come? So I'm gonna put you on the spot again. When I say when I say virtual drag show, what is your like immediate like reaction? Because Brooke said to me, Brooke said there was nothing sadder than dancing around alone in her living room, like to do a virtual drag show. But I'm like, I understand that totally valid, but a lot of us have been home for three years. So yeah. I, you know, there, and I'm not trying to call out work. So please, no one come after me for that. I am, <laughs> I am not doing that. I'm just going off what was said in her interview and, and just get a different point of view. Like, I know you do a lot of things at Roscoe's. Mm -hmm. And, and Roscoe's films a lot of the performances and puts them on YouTube. So why is it it can't be live streamed? Well, that I mean that's a good question. There are a lot of logistics when it comes to doing live events. Like even the one that we just had in Tennessee um was a bit of a clusterfuck just to make sure everything was going going as to plan, making sure all the, the streams were up, making sure everything like the, the camera angles were there. It takes a huge team, which is definitely another expense, but I feel like it's an expense that's worth it because especially if it's a ticketed event that you're doing online, like you'll make that money back and it'll and probably make even more money because people are wanting to tune in from all over the place. Um, and I, going back to the question of how I felt during digital drag era, it was a lot to just to as a as a as a live performer to not have the connection that I have with a live audience in front of me made me feel very cheesy at times. But it, and it was also difficult me not being a technological savvy person at all, figuring out what the hell 
I like I ordered tons of equipment. I got all kinds of lighting. I got a camera. I like updated my computer, did all this so I could try to do digital drag. And when I tell you, I had no way it was such I, it was more stress for me to do it. But I had the ones that I had really good times doing were the ones that were live streamed on Zoom because then it was it felt like there was still community there. And then I could interact with people and I could talk to people and I could see other people's faces and reactions as opposed to like looking at my little reflection in a screen and performing for myself and feeling feeling super cheesy doing it. So I had I had a love-hate relationship with digital drag at the same time. And, and also because at the beginning of the pandemic, I was renovating my home. So like half of my house had no power. I had no hot water. I was like... <laughs> it was really difficult to even get into drag for digital drag at the beginning for me personally but I loved anytime I did those crazy zoom parties I had so much fun because I would just I would go over to my sister's house who lives across the street I would get her and her kids involved because we they had nothing going on we would decorate the house put lights up everywhere and and turn it into a party and that was so much fun for me and anytime that happens out there, if anyone does any of those parties, you holler and let a bitch know because <laughs> well, I am going by our way again this year, and Bria Filker has offered her time and talents to buy our way. So if you are interested, we would love to have you. Send me the deets and let me know, and hopefully my schedule will allow it. And if not, then I can probably prepare ooh, excuse me prepare something in advance to at least send you guys to 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 feel like i'm there that would be amazing you are so welcome to me and it's interesting to me how non-disabled people are like well you know i didn't feel that connection i didn't feel this i didn't feel that and i can tell you that my little friends group we all know each other from Instagram. Mm -hmm. And now, now we have a group that I have like five people that I catch every day. It's like, hey, how are you? How are you feeling today? How was your pain today? So this idea that non-disabled people have that you can't have a true connection online is it, just wild to me. When some of my closest friends are people that I met through social media. And well, let, let me, sorry, let me clarify really quick. The connection that I wasn't feeling was the live at that moment. What, like when I would sit and watch, like tune into all the shows and be in the chat rooms and that I had so much fun because I would just sit in bed with my bottle of wine. Yes, bottle of wine, <laughs> drinking out of the bottle. <laughs> and I would, take my little edibles and I would key, 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 key. That was, that was really fun. I loved that. And in and, fact, similar to what you were saying, I got, I became like, I got so close with the a core group of friends, even here in Chicago, because we would just do digital game nights and we would just, you know, hang out online and play video games together. And that got me into streaming, which was a lot of fun, which is a great way of, building community is streaming actually I, I really miss when I would do my online gaming streams because I don't have time to do it anymore but I had so much fun doing that because I got to meet all kinds of different people from all over the world 
and you also don't really know anyone's story like it's like it's such an easy way for people to to connect earnestly and um without any kind of preconceived notions of who people are what their you know what their stories are where they come from and I think what you say, Valerie, about, you know, how difficult it is to put together a virtual show, like, you know, I, this is what I do all the time for work or advocacy, mm-hmm. like, I set up Zoom events and all of this stuff, and it's difficult, but that is why um, all of these venues or clubs should be consulting a disabled individual. Yeah, we are the ones that have the experience now. We are the ones that have spent three years on Zoom. We are the ones making sure that there are cool captions, that there's an ASL interpreter, that there are so many other things. We know what the digital world is like and how to make the digital world accessible. So here's my call to all of these clubs who don't want to do virtual guys. please consider doing them, even if it's once a month, once every other month, and then hire disabled people to help you. Yes. That, that, I'll get off my soapbox now, but, you know, that was something. Never get off your soapbox. Stay on the soapbox. We need them. Um. I want to ask you, what is a message that you have for other drag performers regarding the disabled and chronic ill community? You have a youth following, and, and people love you. I have not heard one person say anything bad about every time I talk about you. I, my, again, my core group of friends, we we have our little fan moments and we love you <laughs> so much. I don't think you know how loved you are within my community. I hope you have had a little bit of an idea today, but what message do you have for your other great performers um, regarding the disabled and chronic community? And what message do you have for us? Well, to my counterparts and the people that are in my community who are non-disabled, all I have to say is to use your ears and listen. And and I also thank you so much for for being incessant and reaching out and and making me hear you because it's, you know, something that I don't necessarily see all the time. Um, and it's an honor and I I appreciate it so much. And thank you for letting me into your world and filling me in on all the amazing things that you do and 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 shining a spotlight on yourself because I think that that's very important um, because, you know, I wouldn't know as much and I wouldn't have the access to understanding your community more. And I want to, and I want to be able to, especially since I have such a, following there i i i want to do right by you all <laughs> and i want to uplift you and i want to make you feel loved because that's really my my only goal in life is just to bring love to the world and to bring light and some kind of um brevity in this in this crazy world that we're living in so i thank you for the support and i hope that 
I can continue to share the love with all of you and hopefully get a chance to meet you all someday, <laughs> whether it be virtually or in person. Um, and just know that I'm hugging my computer here. I'm going to turn my camera on, even though I look cuckoo bird. So you can see I'm hugging my computer. <laughs> and yeah, he is hugging her computer, everyone. Um, Don't look at my room. My room is a mess. Um, I have been gone for weeks. No, we, I, I do want to say, yes, I was incessant. Um, I had to work very hard to get to see you. And I wasn't going to stop until I got this interview because selfishly, this is the person I wanted to meet the most. But this is also a person that over the past year has gotten to understand disability a little more. And also, I know how much people love you. Like, people like me, they love you. And last year, when you get that, send me off a fire away, people flipped out. They were so excited. And I want, what I'm trying to do is bridge that gap. Because we, there is such a huge intersection. And something that I said at my speaking engagement this week was disability intersects every identity. And until we meet people at their intersection, there will be no forward regression. Mm -hmm. So I thank you for meeting me at my intersection. And me, my community, our intersection. And I thank you for welcoming me. And I thank you for um, letting me in. Any final words or any final thoughts? I just want everyone, this is for pride season, especially right now, be as loud and outspoken and unabashedly queer and in your face about just how proud you are to be an authentic individual um, because we need it to any of the allies that are out here listening or watching. We need your voices, especially now louder than ever. Um, make sure you are encouraging anyone who are in your circles to go out there and get registered to vote. I know that's like, it's like beating a dead horse that saying, but it's like, it's true. We have to get to the polls. We have to do whatever it takes to get people registered to vote and to get involved in their local politics because it all starts locally. And that's where we can make real change, um, especially when it comes to other marginalized communities. Listen, use your ears, listen, take time, be supportive. You know, we can't demand support if we're not supportive of each other. So I just want to say I love you and thank you so much for having me and thank you for welcoming me. Thank you. And for my hard of hearing and death months, don't you get ears, read the transcripts, yes. <laughs> read everything. Um, and don't forget my disabled congregate community. We are the ones that swung the 2020 election. The disabled vote was the deciding vote. So please register to vote. 
and vote. I know that they are trying to keep us from voting, but we will make sure that we are as loud and proud as ever. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Mary. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Politics of Disability podcast. I can never get your journey. Remember, disability is political. Disability is messy. Disability is not powerful, nor does it have to be.